Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. We're on to episode 13 now. Hugo, as always, it's great to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm very well. I've got to be honest, I'm not particularly thrilled that episode 13 means the unlucky number. So I hope the episode is still well received by our viewers. I'm sure it will be. And yeah, just very excited for another week of paddle. And even though it's boiling hot, I'm still trying to play as much paddle as possible over in Madrid. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the UK and it's not as hot here, but you know, sometimes the the rain is the the impeding weather factor that doesn't allow me to play paddle, but we'll still try to do so indoors. Uh in any case, no matter the conditions, one one outcome is always the same, trying to play paddle. <laughs> Correct. It doesn't matter it, whether it rains, whether it's 40 degrees outside, paddles X priority. <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very excited to discuss last week's Rome Major, Rome Premier Paddle Major. And well, there's there's so many different things and aspects and pairings to discuss. Obviously, Guayon Tapia won again, shock. And yeah. They're climbing the Premier Paddle rankings, which is great to see, at least in my eyes. And slowly, you know, making it towards the top. Obviously, at the moment, they're not number one seeded, as they are in the World Paddle Tour rankings. And I'm sure they're eager to get closer and closer to Liberangalan, currently lead the Premier Paddle rankings. But yeah, Gons, any initial thoughts, overview of, well, the Rome Major? Yeah, of course. I mean, and maybe even before going into the actual pair themselves and analyzing uh, the players, I, I think I just want to give a, a bit of a shout out to the the place itself. I mean, it's unbelievable that they were able to organize the tournament at the Foro Italico in Rome, which is also where the Tennis Masters 1000 gets played. And it's an unbelievable place. Um, the courts just look majestic. And I can imagine being and playing there as a as a player it must be so so nice and i think all of them have been mentioning that in in their you know interviews and stuff like that so it looked really cool and also out there there were like some pretty you know big rome players uh totti i saw was watching the final de rossi came in a couple of times to to visit as well so yeah overall great to see like how many paddle fans there are out there and you know for them to show their their support and love but uh to get into the nitty gritty i guess I think first, yeah, I'm going to shout out Coelho and Tapia for doing, you know, an unbelievable tournament. Uh, it was the first, uh, the f- their first Premier Paddle win, which is absolutely massive because, as we've mentioned before, they were, you know, Tapia was ranked 12th in in their FIP rankings, which are the I guess Premier Paddle rankings. So they really needed this win. We both thought that they were the ones that were going to win just because of how motivated I think they were coming into this and the fact that they've you know been recently sort of I guess slipping uh, in in their standards <laughs> but um, but yeah in the final I just thought they played like incredibly well like the ability what I really like about them and I think this is something that we've sort of touched upon when analyzing a you know, a, a, a left-handed player playing on the right, on the right side is that any of them can, can win the points. And at any, and at any moment, 
even if one of them isn't feeling so great, the other person can take over the match and, you know, carry them essentially the pair to victory. Whereas I think I felt with Paquito and Chingoto was that unless Paquito was completely on fire, which he he was, um, <laughs> they, there was no other path to victory. And I felt like at moments in the match, it was Tapia that was sort of leading and, you know, getting under the ball and smacking it. And at other moments, it was Coelho at the net winning the points. And, and you know, Tapia was sort of a more, I guess, taking a, a, a le- less of a, you know, um, important role. But, uh, yeah, I think that versatility is incredible. And I guess this is why, you know, there's, they're the number one in, in World Paddle Tour and why they've won so many tournaments of, and gone so many matches undefeated. And then maybe another highlight, obviously, has to go to Bela and Yanguas, who played an unbelievable match to get into the semifinals. I believe this is their first semifinals. And uh, defeating Lebron and Galan, there was a lot of hype, obviously, around Lebron coming back. And perhaps in that particular match, Lebron and Galan, you know, they were, I guess, more error prone than usual. But still credit to Yanguas and Bela, who played it unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, what what did you think of, of that match? I mean, to be honest, I think that's a great summary. Looking at that match in particular, well, and trying to analyse Lebron, trying to analyse analyze Lebron, sorry. I mean, they lost 6-3, 6-1 to Yang Guasambela, who were obviously a great pair, one of the top eight pairs in the world, but they're not really pushing to be the number one seeded pair. And they're quite a few steps behind, at least in my eyes, Boyan Tapia, Stuguandineno, and even Lebron Galan. So I was quite surprised. I do have to say that I think it was mainly due to Lebron being quite... He made a lot of unforced errors. Particularly for a player like him, he makes practically no unforced errors normally. Obviously, playing on the forehand side of the court, that's what you really... One of the key things that you want from your forehand player is limited unforced errors and a lot of volume. And they... I think Yanguas and Bella really took advantage of the fact that Lebron had been out for so long and tried to give him a lot of the volume of the play and played a lot of the balls to him. And, I mean, personally, I think that's totally fine and I totally understand why they do that. I did want to ask you, Gons, do you think it's ethical in paddle to, you know, obviously a pairing's made up of two players. If there's a slightly weaker player, whether that's because, in this case, Lebron had just come back from injury. In other cases, one player is stronger than the other player. Do you think it's fair to play the majority of the balls to one of the players? Yeah, I think it's in that case, it is fair. It's what they, in Spanish, they call the famous uh, nevera, which is like the fridge where you <laughs> essentially leave one player frozen out the game. But it's a very good question, actually. I think if you're playing a, you know, a competitive match as they were and Lebron is there, he's returned, that means that, you know, he's not injured or he might, you know, you, you wouldn't, you'd assume that he wouldn't be there if he really was injured. So if he's put himself out there, then yeah, you, you know, as a, as a, as an, as a, I guess, opposing player, I would definitely try to take advantage of that, of that. And I think that's completely fair and it's not unsportmanlike. I do think there's other things that we've seen in the past that are unsportmanlike when it's, 
you know, Galan in, in Chile, for example, when the ball clearly was out or, or, or was in and he called it out, all of, all of these different things or the watch with Alex Ruiz, like that's almost basically at the point of cheating, but I don't see this as that. So I do think that it's, I, I would probably do it as well. What do you feel like? I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I think at the end of the day, you have to think that their, I wouldn't say their lives are on the line, but their jobs are on the line. So they have to try and win whatever it takes, as long as it's within the rules. So I think Yang Wasan Bella played an epic game and they really took advantage of Leveron being out for so long. And as I say, Leveron just made a lot of unforced errors, a lot of relatively easy volleys that he put into the net when trying to start dominating the point, even forehand and backhand strokes from the back of the court, which is something that he's so good at. You spoke about that when we were creating our perfect player. You actually chose him um, for ground strokes and you know back of the court shots. So, yeah, it's a shame to see Leveron. He was also not managing to smash the ball and he really didn't want to play smashes, which was sad to see. But it makes total sense, and I think he's got to take it step by step. And I think in their eyes, this was probably just a trial tournament in Leveron and Galan's eyes. And they are probably hoping for a great result this weekend in Madrid, the P1 in Madrid. So, yeah, that was my kind of thought regarding that match, which is obviously one of the best matches. I did want to delve a bit deeper into what I thought were the highlights and lowlights of the Rome Major. I know we've discussed a lot about the tournament already, but I just wanted to, for me, I thought there were two big highlights. Funnily enough, I thought the biggest highlight was Mario del Castillo and Miguel Benitez. They, two very young players who I doubt many people have heard of, but they played such a good tournament. They made the quarterfinals. They actually knocked out Dejan Ruiz in the round of 16. We have actually mentioned how inconsistent Dejan Ruiz have been, but I was really surprised that they made the quarterfinals and it was great to see two players that don't usually make it so deep into tournaments making that kind of stage. And obviously the other highlight in my eyes was one you've already mentioned or touched upon briefly, Paquiton Chingoto making the final. I know their draw was slightly easy in the sense that they didn't actually have to play against Leran Galan in the end because obviously Leran Galan were beaten by Yang Osambela. But they played such a good tournament and such a good final. I mean, I know you said how well, yeah, how well Koya and Tapia had played, but Chingoto and Paquito were outstanding. And it was only a 7-5, 7-6 result. Yeah. So it shows honest, how tight it was. Yeah, to be uh, to be honest, and in the second set, they were up uh, a break. They could have easily gotten that, that second set. And to be honest, I, I almost felt like, for me at least, Paquito offensively for sure was like the player of, of the match just because like he was constantly on it and he was winning every single basically every single point for for their team of course Chingoto is always there and you know as as, he, as Paquito himself has mentioned previously he's doing all the dirty work and making sure that Paquito has the liberty to then really play that offensive game but what I did feel with Koya Tapia is that both of them were alternating who was offensively more dominating so 
I felt like sometimes Tapia raised his level at certain moments and then Coyo raised his level at certain moments. So it was sort of they were balancing each other out, whereas I thought Paquito throughout the whole final was insane. Like, it was spectacular, like some incredible points. I do agree. I think he was the MVP of the final, even though he was on the losing side, which is obviously very unfortunate. And I have to say, I think that's the best match I've seen him play all year, which yeah. is great to see. And I really hope he continues on this run because when Paquito's at the peak of his game, he is without a doubt one of the best players in the world and can definitely challenge Guayo, Tapia, Lebron, Galan and the rest of them. But yeah, I wanted to ask you about your low lights. I'm pretty sure I can guess it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to go with uh, Momon Sancho again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, yeah um i feel bad honestly it's not a i don't want to, it's not like an indictment on on them but yeah again losing in the first round and especially losing to lamberti um and is it perino that he was with that yep. uh lamberti's like record this season is absolutely shocking he's barely gotten a win and the fact that I'm not sure if Perino's was their first time together, or at least like one of their first times together. The fact for sure were, one of the first times. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like a established pair or anything like that. On top of that, as we mentioned, Lamberti's record this season has been shocking. He's barely been able to get past the first round or win a match. So, you know, to lose against them, it's yeah, it's uh, it's shocking. None nonetheless. I also want to mention. Stupa and Dineno, but in you know, obviously, maybe I hear I'm, I'm being quite harsh. They they got to the they obviously won the previous tournament in Valencia, they'd been playing every single day, and the, almost more than a low light might even be a it might might even be more of a highlight just because they managed to <laughs> hold out so many you know, all the matches they were basically a set down, or they went to the third set, even had some match points I had to overcome. So so yeah, I did. But to be fair, I did expect them to maybe put more of a fight in the in the semi final. But for sure, the the disappointment would have to be Momontano once again. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, no prizes here, Momontano again. And I don't want to kind of just repeat myself and repeat what you've just said because I completely agree with pretty much everything you said. But I did want to just well mention the fact that. Sanyo was almost telling off Momo at one point during the match. At one of the changeovers, he was telling him, like, this is the way we've decided to play and you're just ignoring it and doing your own thing. And Momo's like, no, I am actually listening to you. And it was just so awkward to see. And it must have been so awkward for their coach and for Momo. And, well, as I said, I don't want to say too much else. But what I will say is, I think the end is very near. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't smell good at all. I can smell it all the way <laughs> down here. Um, and as well, I think it'll be very interesting because we've we've been discussing this offline quite often, which is we both see quite a plausible pair in with Sanjo and Momo going, for example, for Alex and Teo. So... Both pairs are, you know, very highly rated players. They're both not going through their best moments. And, you know, they've been trying for a bit now. So, you know, it could be up there and, and it could happen very soon, as you suggest. 
particularly given how well Alex Reef and Momo fared when they played together. So yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um so yeah, I think that's probably a good summary for well, regarding the Rome major last week. One of the other main topics we wanted to discuss today is Alejandro Galan's recent interview with Bainter Diez. As we always say, Bainter Diez interviews are sensational and we well, we use them as much as we can because they give us so many insights. And even though it was a very short one, just about 10 to 15 minutes, there were quite a few interesting topics we wanted to delve into a bit deeper. The biggest one and the most important one, at least in my eyes, is the fact that Alejandro Galán has actually given up his position as the president of the PPA. Gons, I was quite shocked about this. What, what did you think? Yeah, same. Uh, I didn't expect it, to be honest. I think he had been doing quite a good job. And as well, when when he did take up the presidency, he was really keen on on setting, on taking the role, right? And he seemed like very, very much involved in, and wanting to drive things forward, which to be fair, he sort of has done a, a great job and he sort of mentions it as well. It's, it's mainly the objectives that he set out himself at the beginning of the role sort of he he's i think he's managed to accomplish those which is just essentially trying to you know get better terms for better terms for players a better structure better tour all of that which has like come you know it, it is definitely heading in the right direction but uh yeah i was definitely surprised for him like for him to leave the the role but in a way his reasoning i think also makes complete sense he was mentioning that this is almost like his second job. Uh, obviously, his first job and main job is being a professional player. But that that implies that he's basically out every day. He was mentioning his schedules from like 8 to 8. And then from 8 p.m., maybe until 12 a.m., he's just stuck in meetings around all the other stuff relating to the PPA. So obviously, in a season where it's not gone his best way sporting-wise, then you know, he sort of needs to prioritize his his main job. And obviously, if you do have other things lingering and you're focusing on, on other things, you might not be able to perform at the best of your abilities. So at the end of the day, it sort of also makes, like once he explained it, I think it made complete sense for him for him to leave. I don't know, how did you feel about his explanation? Yeah, I mean, as I say, I was very surprised when I read about it. But having listened to his interview and thinking, about it a bit more. I think it makes total sense. The fact that Pablo Lima is now taking over and as we all know, Pablo Lima will be retiring at the end of the season, so at the end of 2023. I just think it makes total sense for an ex-player to be the president. I just think if it actually involves so much time in meetings, professional players don't have the time to do this. And I don't think Galan would really do a much better job than Paulo Lima, for example. So, yeah, I think Galan's done a great job. He probably has accomplished the majority of the key objectives that the PBA wanted to accomplish when they came together and formed not long ago. But, yeah, I was, I was still quite shocked. And I, Although I do think they're going to do really well under Paulo Lima. He's obviously such a... He's been such an important player for, for Paddle and one of the key faces over the last 20 years 
and actually the second player that's won the most tournaments. So he's very well respected and I'm sure he'll do his best to help players out. But one other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, Galan spoke about his recent partnership with John Sant, which has obviously ended now that he's back with Lebron. And well, he said that it took some time to him for him to get used to be playing with a lefty because he he's used to covering a lot of the court and a lot of the center of the court with Lebron. And what I was really surprised about is that he said that other other pairs and players played a lot of the ball to John Sant and gave John Sant a lot of the volume of the play when they were recently paired up. And I was just quite surprised that he'd come out and say that publicly. Um, I don't know what you think, Gons. I, I probably do agree with what he's saying. But he, he essentially said that if other pairs hadn't given John Sant so much volume, of play, they would have had more success. They would have ultimately won more games and particularly more of the games that went to three sets because John Sant was basically knackered towards the end of them. Yeah, I think he quite literally said that at one point. Yeah, yeah he did. That, yeah, part of that was certainly a bit, I would say, uh, not humble. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but and he was sort of saying as well, you know, and John maybe at the beginning found it hard to deal with a player like me, and you know, we with the expectation to win every match and such. Um, yeah, I guess it's which is you know it's fair, but maybe it's not the smartest thing to say, or or normally at least not what we're accustomed to. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, I was also I I wouldn't say I was I was surprised uh, at you know Ali Alan mentioning that. But uh, just because I think that I don't, I mean, he he did say that he hadn't played with like a left-sided player in a long time, but at the same time, it's sort of like a, one of those things, you know, and as we've been discussing as well, well, you, you know that when you play with a left-sided player, with a left-handed player, sorry, that they're also capable of managing the middle of the court. And on the other hand, as we've just mentioned as well, it's very common for when a player has a, or a partner has a sort of very clear, weaker, uh, you know, pair that the other, the, the opposition are going to handle their ball more. So I definitely would have been more interested in hearing what sort of, I guess, tactical changes, you know, the coach proposed to sort of maybe get away from that situation or try and, you know, pull in Galan more to essentially equal things out. Maybe obviously that wasn't the right forum to go and discuss that. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's the, the thing that was surprising is almost like, well, you know, why did you not expect that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. As I said, I was baffled that he'd come out and say that publicly and so blatantly because yeah, it is just very transparent. And in a way, that's great for him because it obviously gives us a lot to talk about. And to be honest, we probably all think the same way as he does. At the end of the day, you do try to play the ball to the weaker player more than you try to play the ball to the stronger player. That's just logical. But yeah, I was just quite surprised that he would actually say that in an interview. And... Well, the, the final thing that I thought was very interesting, and again, I was quite surprised that they were 
so blatant and well he was so open to say this is that he said that they him and Galat him and Lebron sorry have prioritized Premier Paddle since preseason. So as we know Alan was he basically had a very short preseason because he was resting his knees. He's had a basically been playing with pain in his knees for a long time and so he gave his knees a proper break after the end of last season and his as I say his preseason was very short and it probably affected the start of their world paddle tour season in a way he said again that their priorities are premier paddle because they see it as the future from next year onwards and even though I do probably agree I I don't know is he saying this because Cuello and Tapia are so far ahead that he doesn't really think that they, him and Lebron can catch them. Yeah, this one I was definitely more surprised by and how he said it so openly that they are focusing on, on Premier Paddle. To be fair, like some areas of the whole interview were almost like a list of excuses <laughs> rather than like... I felt uh, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like with this whole John Santh as well and the injuries and then, oh no, we're just focusing on Premier. But I mean, look, it, it also, I guess, makes sense if they do definitely think, and it's at least what we've been seeing and, and hearing is that it will head the Premier direction and that sort of Premier will take over, you know, World Paddle Tour and the FIP points are the ones that are actually going to be counting. Um, I think we discussed this as well, actually, in the last episode. So I guess, yeah, it does make more sense to to focus on Premier. But, I mean, I definitely don't buy that they don't care about World Paddle Tour or anything like that. And I'm sure that if they were, if they were, for example, in the opposite position with Koyan, you know, of Koyan Tapia, they would have said, he would have said, like, one amazing season, you know, throwing flowers and stuff, for sure. I agree. I'm, I do think he's probably telling the truth in a way, because he clearly did take most of preseason off and did have to rest his knees due to previous injuries and playing so many games last season. But I just, yeah, I really don't buy it. At the end of the day, he did say that they go onto the court, they try to win every match and because they're professionals, etc., etc. But I don't think it's clear enough in terms of the future of paddle is not clear enough. Even though the rumours are that Premier Paddle is going to take over World Paddle Tour and buy World Paddle Tour, I don't think it's so obvious and it's set in stone. So given that World Paddle Tour has been a key tour and the main tour forever, I'm just baffled by the fact that they would basically bet on this since the start of preseason. But I guess, who knows, they might know more than we do. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Galan has some inside information as uh, president of the or ex-president of the PPA. Well, he, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure most paddle players do. And as we've been saying, it does seem like Premier Paddle is going to take over, mainly due to the fact that they're, they basically have more money to pay in terms of prize money. They have more money to invest in venues and facilities, and also they're backed by the FIP. So, in a way, it is obvious, and maybe I'm just um, 
maybe I'm just not wanting to see it because I'm gutted that Goyan Tapia's World Paddle Tour season will basically not count from next year onwards. <laughs> no, nah, but I'm sure they'll also make a lot of noise in Premier, so they'll be there for sure. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I do wonder, um, though, what will happen with some of the tournaments from the World Paddle Tour calendar, just because there's such emblematic tournaments. For example, Buenos Aires, Valladolid, the Masters final. So, whereas I do agree with you, obviously, Premier Paddle brings more, a higher or bigger financial backing. I still think that so much history of Paddle is is sort of set in the in World Paddle Tour and so many emblematic tournaments are there that they're going to have to find some compromise somehow because I can't like, I don't expect like a completely new tour that will be just Premier Paddle and none of these, you know, emblematic tournaments will suddenly all disappear. No, I agree. And I really do hope these tournaments remain because, for example, watching players play at the Plaza Mayor de Valladolid is just... You know, unique and even though some of the premier paddle tournaments have we as we've discussed the epic the world paddle tour has been the key tour and there's so many unbelievable spots and locations that the world paddle tour now reach that we wouldn't want to lose them but the rumors are that premier paddle is just going to take over the world paddle tour so they might just take over the venues as well and just brand them as premier paddle which i guess wouldn't be a bad thing at the end of the day we'd as fans, we would have the tournaments. It's just the World Paddle Tour name brand would disappear, which is sad, but maybe it's what Paddle needs. It's it's hard to know. <laughs> True. We shall see, hopefully soon as well. Yeah, I'm sure it will be soon. Nice. So I think this leads us nicely on to the next tournament, which is... Uh, it- going to happen in the upcoming week as we've discussed is the Madrid P1 but uh, maybe before we get into Madrid P1 just a quick recap of the Paddlepod race so last week was a better week for me I'll put it that way (laughs) Um, though you know I did catch up uh, some ground but not very much I think the the only point uh, that I managed to scrape by was uh, in the semi-finals where I bet for Paquito and Chingoto, whereas uh, you did for Alex and Deo once again. And, you know, they're just disappointment after disappointment for you. I know, it's incredibly sad. And I'm just, I'm so gutted because I was going to bet, I bet on them a few tournaments ago and they didn't make the semis. Then the next tournament I didn't bet on them and they made their first semifinals and now I've done this. So to be honest, I don't really want to talk about it guys. <laughs> it's like playing with fire. Uh, so yeah, going uh, I guess heading into Madrid, Hugo leads with forty-two points, and I'm just behind, sitting with thirty-seven points. So that's a five-point gap that I need to close. But uh, yeah, Hugo, over to you. What are your predictions for Madrid? Yeah, firstly, I'd just like to say that I'm incredibly excited that Premier Paddle is coming to Madrid. I live in Madrid, so. I'll hopefully be making it over to the tournament, watching some of the games live. really do hope it's the case, although tickets are pretty expensive, to be honest. And I just wanted to clarify that, yeah, as I've just mentioned, the Madrid B1 is a Premier Paddle tournament. So it's, as obviously, second tournament 
in a row for Premier Paddle, and it's a P1. So last week's Rome Major is a major, as the name indicates. And as we said, I think we mentioned during our previous pod, this year's Premier Paddle calendar involves eight tournaments, four majors, and four P1s, which are a level below the majors. But yeah, just to jump straight into predictions, I'm going to go a bit boring, not because I'm trying to play it safe, but I really do think this is, in my eyes, what's going to happen. The draw is really interesting because Alejandro Galán and Juan Lebron would face Guayo and Tapia in the semifinals if they both win all their matches up until the semifinals. And I do think that will happen. So that'll be the first semifinal. And I think the second semifinal will be the Super Vives, Stupandineno, against Paquito and Chingoto. Obviously, Paquito and Chingoto are on fire at the moment, so I do think they'll make the semis. The outcomes of the semis will be, or I think will be, two sets to love to Guayo and Tapia against Lebron Galán, and two sets to one for the Super Vives against Paquito and Chingoto. I really struggled to predict that one and make a decision, but I do think they'll edge it. They're so good at edging matches, as you mentioned a few moments ago. And then I think the final, the, probably the biggest game of the year, and the most consistent game of the year, the one that we've mo- watched the most, the Super Bibes, Tupandineno against the Bombarderos, Cuello Tapia. I do think that Bombarderos will not just edge it, but win it convincingly and take the trophy two sets to love gons very interesting and to be fair this might be the closest predictions that we'll do because mine are pretty much bang on but just to make it <laughs> i guess a bit more interesting i do think the same pairs will reach the semi-final so one side we've got lebron and galan against los bombarderos tapia and coelho and i do think tapia and coelho will win uh, by two sets to love on the other side however i do think as well, that Stupa and Dineno will win, but I think they will win convincingly um, by two sets to love. Now, I do think that those sets, you know, obviously they could be very entertaining, you know, 6-4 with just one break or 6-3, but I do think mm-hmm. that they'll just be fresher and it does seem like Madrid might be indoor, so maybe that, you know, has also like a a, a good factor, you know, more better surface, I guess, for and conditions for them. And then in the final, I also think Koya and Tapia will win this one, two sets to love. Okay, so what did you say the outcome of the first semi-final is going to be? Two sets Lebron to Galan love. Against... Okay, okay, interesting. So yeah, so well, I think we we, we I think we I think the only difference that I've gone for is Koya, uh, sorry, Stupandineno winning two sets to love to Paquito and Chingoto, but you know slowly but surely taking points away. Well, fingers crossed um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and, well, yeah, as I said, incredibly excited tournament. I think it will be one of the best tournaments of the year. Lebron and Galan playing, well, Galan playing pretty much at home. He's not from Madrid, Madrid City, but from the outskirts. And Galan, obviously being, uh, sorry, Lebron being Spanish. I think they'll be very motivated. And Galan still hasn't won uh trophy this season obviously Lebron hasn't either due to his injury so I think they'll be very very motivated and looking forward to that potential semi-final against the Bombarderos and I just wanted to mention something quick I've just seen that the Madrid P1 has already started 
and one of the hottest pairs at the moment, Mario Castillo and Miguel Benite, are off to a flyer because they've just beaten Javi Rico and Leo Asburger in three sets. So there you go. They're definitely carrying on that momentum from Rome. Yeah, very, very excited to see how they fare. I don't think they'll go as deep as they did in Rome, but who knows? Yeah, that's what Paddle is all about. But <laughs> having said that, uh, yeah, thank you always for being here with me, Hugo. It's great to have you and speak, you know, speak about Paddle with you. And uh, yeah, thank you as well to all our listeners. Uh, I hope you all have a great week and go watch that Madrid P1. It's also free on YouTube. So there's no reason to miss it. Exactly. And as we always say, any questions, any comments, any topics you'd like to discuss, well, like us to discuss, please do get in touch. We really want to hear your thoughts. So yeah, ciao for now and have a great week.